It was the year of fans. The year of newbies. The year we reviewed the shows we love. It was the year of predictions. The year of great feedback. The year of puns. And the year of memes. It was a new season. It was a podcast of future history. It was the year absolutely nothing changed. The year is 2015. The show down below. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm in. I'm Heidi. I'm Beth. Yay, we're back. <laughs> so by the time you get this... They won't know the difference. Yeah, you won't know the differences. We haven't released the past three or four episodes yet. But no, but... We did have a bit of a break. Uh, yeah, we, we did have noticed that one a couple of episodes ago. Yeah, we've had about a month long break and it was good. But we are joined here again today by our friend Jason. Hello. Hey, Jason. Hi, Jason. Glad to have you back. Thanks for stepping in. Well, I'm not sure. Was this the orish- your first choice or were you just stepping in for this one? Just stepping in. My, huh? uh, my first available choice is in a few weeks. Okay. Oh, well, we'll enjoy having you back then. And now we're recording at a different time. Um, anyone looking to guest host is more than welcome. Because yes, we're not recording in the early morning in the States anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think we may get Malika back, maybe. Wow, <laughs> is she caught up? I, just, I think she is, but or she was going to get caught up, but the, I don't think the 7 a.m. time is going to work for her. <laughs> Well, perhaps the 2 p.m. will work better. Yeah. See, how do we do this now? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Today we are here to discuss episode 11 of season 4, Lines of Communication. But first, a word from the ISN Underground. This is the ISN Underground, reporting for the first time in conjunction with the voice of the resistance bringing you the news directly from babylon 5 all the way out to the rim in recent news new security chief zach allen seems to be settling into his role quite well notching up his first big arrest this week catching a bunch of armed thugs in the process of accosting miss elise hampton eggers who it seems had hired Mr. Garibaldi, former security chief, now private detective, for an unspecified reason. Could this hint towards a possible working relationship with Mr. Garibaldi and Edgar's Industries in the future? Who knows? But ISN Underground will keep you updated all the same. Up next, a report on the naming conventions of certain alien races, and how to avoid those embarrassing faux pas when you pronounce those names wrong. Hey kids, John and Adam from Mega Dads here. We want to take a few seconds to tell you about how awesome our show is. 
Megadad's Live is a monthly show that looks at the world of video games from the old, wrinkly point of view of two middle-aged gamers. Are you talking about us? Yes, that's us. It's not easy to find time to play games when you have to mow the lawn, change diapers, and unsuccessfully satisfy a significant other. Speak for yourself. So check out Megadad's Live on iTunes or at our website, megadads.org. Each download raises money to help fight infant Alzheimer's. Is that is that a real disease? No. No, it's not. Lines of Communication originally aired April 28, 1997. It was directed by John Flynn, the DP. I forgot to look up his last episode, but it probably was pretty recent since they seem to be using the same people over and over again at this point. It was written by JMS. What's a surprise? <laughs> Speaking of anniversaries, today is the 23rd anniversary of the premiere of Deep Space Nine. I saw that. Speaking of anniversaries? Yeah. What were we speaking of? What was the oh, anniversary we were talking about? Never mind. I made that up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I was am I just, what anniversary were we? We weren't talking about one. No, no. <laughs> I was like, it's only gone from the call for like 10 seconds. <laughs> The 124th birthday of J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay, that's okay. Well, I'll just insert that in earlier. <laughs> We're rusty, folks. Um, okay, let's do the recap. <laughs> so we begin with some ISN propaganda that Sheridan's watching in CNC. He says he's just gathering some intelligence. He's convinced that Earth is getting ready for an assault, and they'll try to pass it off as a rescue mission. Is it bad that I'm admiring the propaganda machine that is Earthco? They're pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not obvious propaganda. I don't think I don't think we've heard you guys talk about them yet, but I just love the reporter lady. Which the, one? The, one the, pro- the propaganda reporter. Well, this is she did a good job. And the reporter, they see uh, someone else, isn't it, this week? Well, she is a propaganda reporter. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, well, both of them do a good job. Uh, uh, yeah, and they get a message from Franklin on Mars, which is very cryptic. Very cryptic. But, just, but not cryptic enough. If you have no idea who he is, I guess it doesn't make any sense. But Yeah, it's not exactly like Earth Cub can't quite figure it out. I'm sure they have <laughs> yeah. recognition. They're like, oh, oh yes. If not Paul Dossiers on, you know, everyone who works on Babylon 5. Yeah. Right. They would have all of that information. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, okay, this doesn't seem covert enough, and yet they won't know <laughs> what he's talking about. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. And she was, like, standing right behind him, but whatever. <laughs> I know, I know. So he's made contact, and he's arranged a meeting with the Resistance. And then they switched to Mars, and he's explaining why it had to be cryptic um, to number one. Number one's worried that Mars, that Earth will defeat the Mars resistance by the end of the year, that some of the resistance may try to be more aggressive. And right then is when Marcus runs in and says that the Red Planet Hotel's been bombed and 10 civilians killed. Hmm. Yeah, they won't be able to have that penthouse suite now, will they? <laughs> Earth is blaming the resistance on Babylon 5. Uh, Delenn is getting a report from Forel about the attacks that are happening against the Norsi who have relied on the Minbari for protection. 
and other people to other worlds too. And all the different casts are looking after themselves since the gay gray council. <laughs> the gay council still active. <laughs> oh. oh, we need one of those though. <laughs> Seriously, um, that'd be a good episode. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the different casts the um, gay council will be made up of. That's the bear cast <laughs> and the twink cast, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would just be three casts, but it would be many casts, and ah, it'd be fun. <laughs> That's a new show coming from <laughs> uh, Netflix. <laughs> Um, yeah, Delin hopes, hopes it's not as bad as the, um, reports say, and of course we go to outer space where there are some weird-looking ships attacking someone. Forget it, I couldn't figure out what was happening. Right, but this... <laughs> that was kind of, yeah, I that think, was though, this is the first time we hear about, um, things going wrong on Manbar, you know. We've been focusing all of our attention on Earth and a little bit on Centauri Prime, but we haven't really seen anything of, you know, what's going on on Membar and with the Membar for quite some time. True. All we got was uh, Sinclair on Membar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we get the opening credits, and uh, I know I noticed this time how Lita says... It was the year everything changed. <laughs> so, okay, Lita. So after the opening credits, uh, Sheridan asked to Lynn for dinner, but she's got to go take care of this business. And he doesn't want her to go, wants her to send somebody else, but she reminds him how much of a badass she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's also JMS, I think, before he shows us later, reminding the audience, I'm not just your damsel in distress. Yeah. If you remember that time I saved you from your own government? Hmm. Remember that time I broke the Grey Council and literally broke the staff in two? <laughs> she held that. <laughs> <laughs> so on Mars, which is where men are from. Mm, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Number one chastises. Oh, what was his name? I forgot to write his name now. Oh, whatever oh, God. his name was. Philip. Guy. Yeah. Ex boyfriend, yeah. ex lover. Oh, sorry, ex lover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although this episode does have three strong females in it, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. It's just a shame that they get to talk to each other <laughs> properly. You know, <laughs> we're just all off on their separate things. Yeah. I meant to write down her ten seconds thing, but that's a lot write. of words. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, Marcus and Franklin are a little nervous around her, I guess. And, and Marcus isn't used to the time difference. That's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I wonder what the difference is. You'd think it would be on Earth standard time, but no. Yeah, he's still used to B5. Well, again, I guess they're yeah. on their own little sun time. Yeah. Yeah, B5 time would be slightly different. I, as I said, I'm a fan of uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's way of doing things, and... He does this thing called the Martian time slip, where essentially they're on uh, Earth's yeah. Earth time, which is a 24-hour clock, but there's 20 minutes out of the day where time just stops, and typically everyone goes on this mad party frenzy for 20 minutes and then gets <laughs> on with their regular day. 
Free tie, woohoo! What do you mean? What? That's what it is, yeah. (laughs) Rather than adding extra time into the day, they just say, right, this 20 minutes here between um, 11.29pm and 12am in the morning, these 20 minutes here don't exist technically in the calendar, so you can do whatever the hell you want. Wow. It's confusing. <laughs> I'm confused. It makes sense in the book. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, since Babylon 5 doesn't really have to follow a sunrise and sunset, yeah. they set their clock to Earth standard time. Yeah. Um, so they just they just go dark when it's nighttime on Earth, um, but Mars, you know, has a whole different day-night cycle. I wonder what their day-night cycle is. I'm curious now. Okay. Yeah, essentially, from what I understand, from... It's very close, very but soon. not that close yeah it's about 20 minutes out yeah so the the mars uh, rover uh people get further and further off of the earth schedule as their as their jobs went on over the years and then it wraps back around eventually but apparently it's very it's not as easy to deal with as having just a schedule that's completely off because it just gradually changes over time until you don't notice that you're going to bed at you know 8 a.m i mean Time measurement's so arbitrary anyway. I mean, at, at the moment, the way we're dealing with it is to randomly add leap seconds in um, whenever the uh-huh. um, astrophysicists say it's time to do that. <laughs> I think that's the way we're coping with it at the moment anyway. That's a leap year, this guys. What are we going to do with that extra day? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should oh, no. go on vacation. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. I almost left the down below group trying to approve somebody. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Uh, so yeah, in oh yeah, so on B five, Sheridan's still watching ISN propaganda. When he goes, he gets an idea and goes to wake up his platonic friend Susan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, great, great little scene with some great bits of dialogue. So he has this idea to turn the war room to the into the voice of the resistance, and of course she's going to be the one doing the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> I like the little uh, references to World War Two and um, was it Churchill? Uh, uh, well, the no, French, um, the French, French. Um, okay, right. resistance. Yeah. I feel like Clarence would be good at this. Maybe. I know that's another uh, thing that <laughs> you should be helping her with this. Oh, definitely. He doesn't have to be a platonic friend. No. <laughs> we learned all about the French resistance on Voyager. No, yeah. I learned it, it, it. I learned it from LOLO. <laughs> British sitcom. Really cheesy British sitcom, but fun. Hello, hello. She reminds me. No, never mind. <laughs> Speaking of British TV, I need to watch Sherlock. Um, no, you don't. No. <laughs> oh, no, you do. It was fun. It was whimsical. But still very Sherlock at the same time. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna go watch it in the theater, but I decided, you know, just watch it on TV. I recorded it. Um, in hyperspace, we got the whoa, um, <laughs> this stuff beeping in my ears. Oh, we got the White Star Fleet traveling to their destination. Adeline just realized she hasn't been paying attention to what's going on back home because of the war. I mean, it makes sense. Yep. Yeah, a little busy there. For real. It's kind of her fault. She broke the Grey Council. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got a 
throw someone under the bus, let's throw Dylan. It was really convenient of both their governments to just hold off really doing anything while they waited to wrap up the Shadow War. Uh, it's weird how both their governments uh, started doing yeah. really bad things again right when the Shadow War ended. <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah very, very helpful storytelling. Well, no, it's almost as if there were higher powers intervening, saying, no, 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 let us do our war. Let, you know. JMS, you mean? No, I'm talking about <laughs> the Shadows of the Vorlon. Because oh. they were. They were essentially doing their little things and they were saying no, no, wait, no it's not your turn, wait we'll, you know we'll win this war, then you can do your thing didn't quite didn't work out the way they planned <laughs> but essentially that's what's going on oh, I never really thought of it that way did mommy and daddy teach you to wait your turn? yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Pharrell is saying, talking about some of the rumors he's heard, like the warrior cast. Pharrell was in Pharrell. this? I didn't even see him. Pharrell. <laughs> yeah, he's saying happy. And <laughs> <laughs> I did not catch that guy's name. Yeah, his name was Pharrell. Pharrell. Um, and he even talks about how in some cities the warrior cast have um, forced out all the other cast. It's about the way this guy was... <laughs> Moving his mouth when he talks. It's his mole. Like, He's got yeah. the mole. You can't not see that mole. I didn't see the mole. Oh, okay. Maybe it's because we've seen it five, six, seven, ten, fifteen times, whatever it is. I didn't notice the mole as much as I noticed his mouth and his teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Did you have nice teeth? Very cool. Um... <laughs> Stop trying to talk to me. Um, so Franklin is speaking to the resistance. Oh he delivers, God, Franklin! Yeah, his little <sighs> speech. He has some messages from Sheridan, including one he made up about the bombings, because there's no way Sheridan could have known about it. But he, uh, one message is that Sheridan promised independence for Mars after this is all over. Uh, how is he going to manage that? <laughs> Got like, yeah, because it's like you know he wants Clark out, but how does he know that the new guy in charge will, you know, agree to that new guy? Mm. Right. I don't know. I'm not sure. If Frank. I mean, I guess it worked out, but Franklin to me came off as a little dickish. I don't know. Just the way he was talking. <laughs> no. I it's the way he speaks. He sounds. I don't know what he's getting passionate. Yeah, Marcus so sounded okay. But Franklin sounded a little. I weird. really did like Marcus in this because he made yeah. it personal. You know, he connected with the resistance leaders in a way that uh, uh, Franklin didn't quite because he grew up on a colony. He he had you know he's got personal experience with how Earth treats its colonies. Right. Um. Yeah. So Marcus kind of thinks that. Some of the problems there may have been caused by the shadow. When they're talking about why Sheridan hasn't helped them sooner, like, yeah, we were a little busy out there with this war. Hmm. I mean, you got two things left over from the shadows mentioned in this episode. You've got the Draco we meet later, and we get the mention of that thing they found on the shoulder of Captain Jack. Yes. So, so those yeah. aren't related? Somehow, I don't know. At the moment, we don't know, yeah. do we? I don't, yeah, I guess not. I guess I just assumed. 
that they were related. Well, they are related because they're both agents of Zahadoom. Yeah, they're both from Zahadoom. So... Hmm. So, uh, out in... Yeah, out in space, Delin and her people pick up a distress signal from a Pakmara ship. That poor Pakmara, I felt sorry for him. I know. And <laughs> it's so sad. The actor <laughs> had to do so much overacting there just to... It, it Just in that one scene, you know, waving his arms around and his tentacles going all over the place. Were, the, were yeah, they it's... talking through some kind of translation... Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, okay. you. Okay, because I don't remember that Pogmara speaking English. Yeah, I don't think we... Have we ever heard them speak before? Well, not English. Well, no, at the time we've seen them on screen, they've kind of got translation balls. That, you know, we compared them to the U before because they've got those little translation orbs. Um, uh, yeah, yeah whereas the here, Lanier puts it through their translator. Universal translator. So the, the, the translator picks what voice it's going to use. <laughs> because that yeah. voice... It's <laughs> got... The, the translator has, uh, what, dramatic license? <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I get the impression... Then, I get the impression that they and the... Who are the, like, insect-like aliens? Are they the game? I think yeah. they are, yeah. Um, I think they have... They both use those translation kind of interfaces because the idea is that they're so different. Physically, they don't make words and sounds the same way the other humanoid races do. So they need yeah. like an extra extra interface on translation. Some, something in those little things they use are translating whatever sounds they make into still a language that has to be translated. And if they haven't got those around, the ships will do the translation for them. Yeah, Lanier just hit the uh, click the sad box on the translator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the distraught. Box. yeah. Unless you've also got Interlac. <laughs> Which I, I uh, take it that's short for intergalactic standard. It's like the common tongue, or whatever. Mm. Uh, okay, so... Oh yeah, so yeah, that Pachmara ship, I guess, is destroyed. And Lanier is telling them to be cautious when they approach, and Lynn's like, I was there when Dukat made first contact with you. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lynn doesn't even... You need to say the rest of it. And you were there when we saw visions of that. So, <laughs> you know, don't yeah. need to remind me. But before Delyn finished her sentence, I was like, well, you're using that as a selling point? And why? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. And I'm going to kill them all. Pharrell <laughs> <laughs> enters, and they realize that uh, the species, the Drak, can speak to them in their language, which means that mm. they must have had contact with Minbari before. Dum, and that's when. Dum, yeah. <laughs> so that's when Pharrell pulls a gun on Dylan. And did you notice Lanier in the background? Oh my god, that was the best. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes. How dare you pull a gun on Dylan? Oh my god, he got his hands into his, like, karate position. Yeah, he was sick. He couldn't stop moving like he was, like, fighting, like, holding himself back or something. I don't know. <laughs> hold me back! Hold me back! There's nobody <laughs> holding him back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> on Mars, it looks like they do have the support of the Resistance. 
and number one calls Franklin out on that lie he told. Hmm. And when he, yeah, when she leaves, Marcus teases Franklin. <laughs> yeah, Marcus again having some great moments here. It's just, I, I think you know, you'd have a lot of fun with Marcus, especially <laughs> in the way you, you, you know teases Franklin here. I mean, and, give Franklin a lot of props for going, um, for uh, going after someone who's not his patient. Yeah, so it's good point. Yeah, which he could so be. Everybody could be a patient. Mm. It's all right. It's all right if they later become a patient. It's when they're your patient to start with. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's not a patient, and it was all consensual. Oh yeah, and actually, it's number one going after uh, Franklin rather than the other way around. Yeah. When she comes back, she's like, you want to go out to dinner because your hotel is blown up? And you, you Marcus, see, why don't you go to guard? Yeah. <laughs> you see, in my mind, um, I always imagine number one going around the corner and hearing some of what Marcus says and deciding to stick around to hear how the conversation goes and then hearing what's being said and then going around the corner and says exactly what she said just because of the way the conversation went, just to wind uh, both of them up. Yeah, a little mischievous. That would make yeah. more sense to me. <laughs> They're going out with Franklin. <laughs> yes. Having a, a reason. <laughs> yeah. So, on the White Star, this Draka guy comes on board the ship. They're doing a weird effect with him as well. You know, you have yeah. him... Uh, excuse me, uh. is that Skeletor? Which version of Skeletor, though, from the cartoon or from the really bad movie? The cartoon. Uh. (laughs) He's got the skull head and the cloak. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And he had the ball translator as well, so apparently his species doesn't um, speak like other humanoids either. I really like the way they move. Mm. So weird. And the way that the Minbari on the ship are reacting to him, they're kind of like repulsed and kind of... Maybe cowering. Or, no, Even the lights dim as, as he moves around. Yeah. Well, you can't well, really even focus on him. It's like no, a, no, yeah. you can't. Yeah, it like plays with your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I see it is partly that you know, this is a minion of the shadows, and the white stars are made using partially Vorlon technology. So the Vorlon technology is reacting to the shadow influence. Hmm. Yeah, so Pharrell is his idea was to use these guys to help keep the uh, warrior cast in check, not necessarily fighting them per se. Well, so they never really explained how they're going to do that, but um, I guess uh, no, that's but why they, I was they, thinking like with those little things that you know latch onto you or something. Well, I think perhaps that was the drugs plan. You know, maybe not necessarily using those things, but kind of. You know, starting out being all nice and nice to the Membari and then kind of putting their control in, into things they do and kind of be, becoming the shadows in a way, if you get what I mean. The way the shadows influenced them, they were trying to influence another race. This race just happened to be the Membari, their first choice, because the Membari were allies of the Vulans. Let's actually corrupt them. You know, that'll be um, good payback, won't it? 
I guess it's hard to tell what their motivation is. Because they're it like, eats, just it? killing randomly or destroying ships. And then... Well, remember, technically, they're servants of chaos. So they've learned from the shadows <laughs> just to do things randomly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those servants of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look like the kind of guy that has a plan? I feel like if he looked a little bit more like Morden, it would have gone over better. Yeah, perhaps. Instead of Skeletor. Because yeah. Skeletor's plans never work. I have to say, though, in other shows, I wouldn't have had the um, protagonist work out, oh, these are servants of the shadows, and then not actually say it outright and actually be clever in the not to give away what they're thinking and then Grell goes and spoils it all. Because yeah. I'm sure Delane's plan was seven days we'll meet back here okay in seven days I'm going to bring all the White Star fleet and all the ships I can to just decimate all the forces you have. Right. And then yeah Grell goes and ruins it. <laughs> yeah so... He, Forel talks about how his family died when the warrior cast cast them out and things back home are going back to the way they were before Valen I just <laughs> don't think that I laugh at like, share, like Sinclair is like the... <laughs> oh yeah I don't get it, I mean it's funny well yeah. no it's interesting actually given what Delenn says later about humanity but humans form communities out of disparate elements so essentially Sinclair went back in time changed himself to be partially Membari but kept enough of his humanity to force the Membari into a hole by taking the various castes and forcing them into one big community the thing that I find really interesting is that basically Delenn and Sinclair, through all of this time travel business, only managed to make the past happen and then mm. completely messed it up for the future yeah. going forward. Well, they did manage to create uh, about a, a thousand years of peace for the Membari. Right. That's not bad going. Well, no, it's not, but I'm just saying, like... Yes, they did that, but all they've affected was the past, because now she's disrupted the Grey Council and everybody's all crazy again, so... It's yeah. just an interesting... Good point. It's, it's very interesting. They just made sure the past happened as it happened. And right. Then, you know, the future is still effed for now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Yeah, for real, it's like, I wouldn't have hurt you, I just wanted you to see for yourself... But then I guess Delenn realizes something and... Well, well, Delenn knows the Drakwa from Zaha Doom and she basically says, How stupid are you, Frel? Did you <laughs> yeah. realize it? When They're you skeletons! Them? Come on! Yes. Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> like, skeleton, how can skeletons be anything but evil? Plus, <laughs> when you met evil. them and they made all your lights dim and everything go dark and weird wasn't and that the way they vibrate or whatever yeah and they've been attacking innocent ships isn't that another clue it's <laughs> for all I think he's just really desperate he, his whole family's died and he's 
desperate to find a way to save everything else. He's not so, thinking yeah. straight. He's not. Not at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead too far into my uh, closing opinion. I just think it's a really... I think it's a pretty weak story. I, so I blame, blame some of the stupidity of the character on just the kind of... I think JMS had this convoluted uh, way he wanted to introduce this plot line. Um, and it just... It, all of it just seems sort of strange and odd. And forced, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. When the Drock is leaving, he hears Forel say her name, and now he knows who she is. And this is where she's like, oh, you dummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so since, yeah, since they're too close for them to attack, they're going to kind of... Wait, they have a plan for getting out of there called skin dancing. Yeah, I, I do like this. You know, <laughs> Sounds sexy. Yeah, yeah can we... <laughs> I wanted to go back to the name thing. That was one of the big things I thought felt really forced, like, just the whole the whole way that played out. Because how many half-human, half-minbaris are there in the galaxy? How, why do they need to hear her name to know exactly who she is? Uh, yeah, well, unless they don't yeah. see the way we do. Maybe they don't know about her. They're just serving the shadows. and Well, and they only heard a name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe the name. Mm. They don't name. They just don't know about her change. They weren't so, privy to that information. It's just, it was on a need-to-know basis. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, Jason, though. It's kind of a plot hole. Yeah. That's, yeah. However, <laughs> the rest of this is kind of cool because you get to see Delem being awesome again. Or Lanier, I guess. Well, Lanier as well. Doing all the maneuvering-ish. Well, yeah, but it's Delane's plan and Delane's awesome She's basically mind. like, uh, can you just do some of these and then we can kill them? Yeah. <laughs> After they get away, you know, Lanier's ready to go home and she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, uh, we're going to destroy all them all. Well, all yeah, of them cause... here, at least. Yeah, because Forrell died and White Star 16 died. Nope, we're going back in, and they beat the crap out of the drop ships. I guess that all. was super powerful <laughs> laser. Hmm. Yeah. So they're heading back to B five, and when she gets back, she sees that Sheridan has redecorated. <laughs> yeah. Guess with the help of the Gay Council. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's only one that's part this... of the Gay Council, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one cast. Yeah. Um, so there have been more attacks they talk about, and Delane talked for a long time, and I zoned yeah, out I each really time. Yeah, I really zoned out. <laughs> Both times I watched the episode, I stopped listening, but basically she needs to take care of her business, and she thinks... I think this Sheridan. is also another excuse. It's, okay, yes, I'm leaving to let you... you do what you have to do. I'm also leaving so I can actually do the shit I need to do at home. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, it's not you, it's me. It's one of those kind of excuses that are just excuses, I think. Mm, yeah, she <laughs> was feeding his ego a bit there. Be, like, we need some time apart. You know, we'd be better <laughs> off if we... Yeah, like, shut up, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> but she managed to squeeze in one more thing she likes about humans. Though I can't remember what it was. Oh, how she said something about how men bar hasn't changed, but humans are always well. Redec- there's a whole redecorating thing, but she also says 
human-formed communities. That's uh, why mm-hmm. what you why you're dangerous because but, you form communities out of disparate elements. Apparently, I don't understand exactly how Mimbari don't form communities because don't they have their different castes and so? Mm. Wouldn't that yeah. kind of be the same thing? But they're not. They're not diverse communities. They're basically everyone is the same. All the okay. religious people are together. All the warrior type people are together. And um, yeah, and we saw in the previous episode that they're not even allowed to breed outside of Membari. You know, that you know, taking a, well, that- a human was a huge deal. I don't know if this happens as much in other episodes, but I noticed it a lot in this episode where the last line of one scene is a reference to what's going on in the next scene. Because she, they say something about Franklin having his hands full, and then they cut to Franklin, what Franklin's doing. Well, he cuts Marcus. Yeah, Marcus listening to what Franklin's doing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty it's pretty standard for when JMS writes an episode where there's characters mm. in different physical locations. It's yeah. just, sort of, just sort of a thing he's always done. Uh, and, and in my head, this scene, you know, what number one is shouting out here is her exclamation about how good the food is, not how good whatever <laughs> anything else is going on. I mean, I think I've heard it referred to as the ironic segue, you know, when you say uh-huh. something meaning one thing and go to that thing and the opposite happening. I think Buffy does that a lot. Or, mm-hmm. you know, something unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> As a joke. That was the end of the episode. Let me see if I have any more notes. Yeah, what else did I... Any trivia on this episode? Um... Not really. Just kind of explaining stuff that we kind of figured out. Um... Drop ships had a flower-like design with the lethalness behind them seemed like a nice contrast. They had a what-like design, sorry? Flower-like oh. design. Mm-hmm. I, I, I saw the kind of seed design on the um, shuttlecraft, but not necessarily power design on the rest of the drop ship. I um, saw that uh, President Obama was going to be on... Um, Comedians in what is it called? Comedians in cars for getting yeah. coffee or something like that. And Jerry Doyle, who plays Garibaldi, tweeted about that. He's like, "Is this what we pay him for?" Like, "Oh, shut up!" Oh guy. God, just trying to. <laughs> uh, you know that started, I think, as um a podcast, a video podcast. Um, yeah, some web thing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, like on Crackle stars, or something. One of the um, stars from um, Red Dwarf started it. Um, Robert Llewellyn, um, car- Robert Llewellyn's Carpool. It was a uh, video co- uh, podcast, and then the idea kind of grew from there, I think, and it's grown into um, a couple of different projects, like um, the one you mentioned, and then there's something on YouTube as well. I like the one where. Uh, it's like a game show, but you you ask some trivia questions while you're in. A, I guess you're in a taxi. Cash cab. Cash cab. Yeah, you can win money. I would love to do that. Mm. <laughs> okay, do we have any quotes? Oh yes. 
Go ahead. I lot in this episode, but I didn't write any of them down. <laughs> I've got a couple, but I'll let someone else go first, I think. Yeah, I just had more of the com- uh, community's quote uh, from Delan. I came to the conclusion that all, of all the races we had encountered, humans were the most dangerous because humans form communities. And from that diversity comes a strength no single race can withstand. There's also a, something a little too Star Trek about that quote. Um, it's probably the most Star Trek Babylon 5 ever becomes. The idea mm. that, the idea that humans are some kind of unique special force in the universe. Um, so I like the quote, but I think I like it because it's not very Babylon 5. Right. I think, I think I like it because I like Star Trek as well. Not necessarily because it's very representative of Babylon 5. Okay. okay. I'll, um, take, uh, one of, uh, Sheridan thing. I'll only take part of it because the core is what, where it's good. Wait a minute, what do you mean you hadn't noticed? Granted, I don't have any interest in you, you don't have any interest in me, but if you're going to come barging in here in the middle of the night, he's nice out a bit of one of us. Sorry, I messed that up. Uh, it's nice to hear nice outfit of one of us, then go on a tear, Sheridan. Oh, nice outfit of one of Um, I'm going to do... Some Sheridan Ivanova too, but I'm just gonna do parts of it because it's really long. Um, so he says to her, uh, reminds her about the Babcom system, and she says, "Yes, I know. I hated it." He says, "You were great at it. You have a face people trust, Ivanova. I'd rather have a face people fear." <laughs> and then, and then Sheridan does this big long thing, and I'm skipping that. But uh, Ivanova says, "Why do I get the ugly suspicion that you're volunteering me for this job?" Sheridan, I accept your offer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course when he leaves the room, if he want my commanding officer, I swear I'd shoot him and shoot him dead. Um, I have uh <laughs> Sheridan. Can't you send out Lanier? It might be dangerous. <laughs> uh, okay, King David. I don't care about Lanier, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I have a number one, just a shortened version of it. A call takes 10 seconds. Do you know what I can do to you in 10 seconds? In 10 seconds, I can cripple you for life. In 10 seconds, I can break your skull open and scoop out your brains for cat food. Why cat food? <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, just what she was thinking of at the time, Look I guess. Cat. And then there's number one. Oh, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what things she showed him in 10 seconds. Um, I want to do the Delenn and Lanier Lanier have you ever seen the warrior cast training flights yes have you ever seen them skin dancing I have can you do the same thing not without approximately five years of additional training that would be a no then but I can program the parameters into the ship's artificial intelligence matrix and what do you do then touch that button and pray very very fast (laughs) Yeah, that was good. <laughs> yeah, essentially that first wave of attack was done by a computer. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I got I got a quote yeah. from Mom Hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fifty credit says that's not all she wants you to help her out of. That was a hard <laughs> one to say. <laughs> Mom Hair is that a, is that a, uh, yeah, is that a joke I'll, that makes sense? I do like it later on when she's left. Come on, you cheap bastard. 
It's just the way he delivers it later on about the that bet. It's just yeah. yeah. I have one. Oh, I have one final yeah. one. Uh, the ISN report reporter saying our job, as always, is simply to state the facts and let the truth attend to itself. Which <laughs> so, reminds me so much of Fair and Balanced. That I had to read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> So who is our human of the week? I always forget to think about this. Uh, I'm going to go with Frank. Marcus or Franklin? Oh, I was going to say number one because I think she actually, just for the, you know, she actually did, she took charge of this. You know, it's... Number one. What's her name? Number Number one. one. That's her name. There's uh, no. There's no. Uh, well, she has name. name, but we haven't heard it yet. Oh, That's okay. Well, we did because I accidentally said it in one episode. Oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> but we obviously didn't take note of it. So. Um, I don't know. I want to go with like Marcus, but well, we can go for Marcus. He was kind of cool. Or Ivanova for volunteering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Voluntary. Yeah. My problem um, is I'm always going to give it to Ivanova. Ivanova. So. I know, I know. I was trying to go different. Go with go with uh, Franklin, because I'm sure he never wins. I guess I'll go with Franklin. I don't really want to, but <laughs> I don't know who else to pick. Franklin. Yeah, I'm fine I can with go that. with Franklin. Yeah. Okay, we'll go for Franklin, then. That's two now for Franklin this season. I mean, he's That's making... too many. He's... Really? <laughs> I think we need to take some away. Why not he get it? <laughs> oh, two episodes ago, Atonement. Did he? Oh, see, I haven't heard well, that. Well, he's, he's making strides in his, you know, consensual lean, his relationship. <laughs> so or it's just because uh, no one else is doing anything. That's yeah, human. that's true. Yeah. I can't. I can't say number one without thinking about Riker on Star Trek and also going to the bathroom. Okay. <laughs> I always think of uh, the original number one on the original series because it was because she was a woman as well. Um, yeah, I can't remember her name. Well, it's Majel Barrett. It's who... Yeah, I can't remember her character's name. Number one. Does she have a... oh, number one was her name. Okay, no, I, don't, I don't know. She may have had a real name. <laughs> um, who's our alien of the week? Lanier uh, Skeletor. Oh, oh Lanier. Skeletor. Yeah, <laughs> I about Skeletor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it down just so that we have that on our um, <laughs> table. That would just be brilliant, having Skeletal down on our um, table and in the episode images, I think. There <laughs> <laughs> we go with Skeletal. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. Oh. We're, oh, we do ratings next, don't we? <laughs> yep. Want to start us out, Jason? Um, I like this episode okay, but it's more of a just a more setup to move us along in the season. Uh, so I give it seven out of ten. I really didn't come with a, up with a rating system. Okay, Heidi. Uh, let's see. I like the um the Dylan and Lanier stuff pretty well. I like Sheridan and Ivanova. I'm not entirely thrilled with what's going on on Mars, mm, but that's no surprise to anyone, really. Just because of Franklin. Tell us what again. 
But I think I will give it a six and a half out of ten uh, 80s cartoon villains. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Um, It was okay. Like, I didn't hate it. I'm not sure I'm, like, thrilled with the idea of having a war with uh, these shadow underlings. Um, as like we go from having a war with the shadows to having a war with the shadows help. <laughs> it's not quite where I want to see this going, but, um, I don't know. It had some interesting stuff, I guess. The fight scene was actually something I could follow. So that was good. And, um, I guess I'd like to see, I'm excited to see Ivanova doing her thing with the resistance radio. So that's good. Um, and I'm really excited to see Delenn leaving Babylon 5. So. That's good too. Um, so I guess I'll give it seven hotel complaint line calls. <laughs> uh, so how about you, Ian? Yeah, it's a fun little episode. Um, and I do like to see Delenn being awesome. I mean, she's not completely awesome in the way she normally, I mean, she can reach, but it's, Adequately awesome to land in this. And the rest of the story is just, again, setting things up. Nice idea of the voice of the resistance, I think. So I'm going to go seven and a half casts of the gay council out of ten. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a good episode. Not great. I like some of the stuff it's setting up. Uh, But I guess the favorite part was the... uh, Space battle close to the end. I'll give it seven and a half out of ten Castle Grey Skulls. <laughs> That's where the gay council has to meet. <laughs> <clears throat> With Prince Adam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's head to Castle Grey Skull, which is in the middle of feedback. <laughs> First, we have some old feedback on, well, it's not, well, yeah, we're behind on episodes. So we have some feedback for Into the Fire. First was a comment from, oh, I don't know how to say this, Akraba. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce it. Hi, all. Just found Down Below last week and have been consuming it rapidly. Listening to Grail as I type this, but I saw this was your most recent episode and had and just had to say something. Into the Fire is one of my all-time favorite episodes of television. The scene with Morden and Londo sets this episode over the top for me. First with Londo's Do Not Move and has the guards blast the shadows he now knows are flanking Morden. Then when Londo turns around with that trigger, actually, now that I mention it, my entire family was cheering. No hesitation, no remorse. He's going to do anything it takes to try and save his world from the flame. After the episode was over, we immediately rewound the tape and watched that scene several times over. And Veer gets this little wave. Fantastic. I can't hear the word fantastic without thinking about the ninth doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes on to say, keep up the good work and hopefully I'll catch up to your current episode soon. I especially like the commentary episodes. Oh, we will have to do one soon. Oh, we will. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Always good to get new feedback. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Next is a comment from Board99. Okay, I can take boards. It's good to have the podcast back. I'm not sure whether the recording schedule is still the same, and so I don't know how many episodes ahead of the release schedule you are. But I wanted to comment on something that you had said in the last episode. Anyway, so there's no chance of spoilers. The command staff had let the ambassadors know the backstory on why the pace accelerates so much on Series 4. Sorry, that should be have the command staff let the ambassadors know the backstory on why the pace accelerates so much in Season 4. Um, before I continue reading on, um, it there is a story behind that, but, well, is it spoilery? I think we have talked about it some before. Oh, that, yes, JMS, well, yes, I'll just continue reading them. JMS believed that he would have to wrap the story up in one year. So, I'm curious how Heidi and Elizabeth are finding the faster pace and more serialized storytelling that resulted from this. For myself, there was a big difference between how I reacted as a viewer at the time and how I reacted when I rewatched Series 4 about a year and a half ago. When I first watched this, it seemed horribly rushed, and I remember in particular being disappointed with Into the Fire, not because of the episode itself, but because Jeremy's had resolved the Shadow War with the plotline so early in the season. But now, when I rewatched it almost 20 years later, I loved the pace of Series 4. As Ian noted, it's not like TV nowadays normally is. Sorry, it's like TV nowadays normally is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, Lord. Series 2 will always have a special place in my heart, and Series 3 is probably still the strongest season in terms of average quality episodes, but Series 4 might be my favourite. So what do Heidi and Elizabeth think? Thank you, Rod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're... I mean, I, I definitely think it's nice to have a serialized story. So with yeah. a little breather room, you know, with some one-offs episodes. Mm. Especially if we get more into the psych stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even noticed the pace the first time I saw the show. That's what I was going to say. Is, <laughs> is, and maybe it's because we've, like, just had a break or whatever, but it doesn't didn't seem... Like, yeah, the the Zaha Doom stuff wrapped up and everything, which I guess maybe wouldn't have happened as fast, but I would, I just kind of thought that it was because it was the time to take the next step in the story. So it, It's weird how natural it feels, it really yeah. is. And that comes out of, you know, a quirk of television production, JMS thinking, yeah, this is my last season, I have better sort the story out. Right. Um, next, we have an email from Victor. Um, I can take Victor's. <clears throat> Sorry, one second. Okay. Lines of Communication is another of those episodes that could have been titled Don't Mess with the Len. Back on B5, Sheridan is incensed by the ISN propaganda, but it gives him an idea. Unfortunately, that idea came to him in the middle of the night. You might think sharing this information with Ivanova could have waited until morning, or at the very least, he could have called her on the intercom instead of rousting her out of bed. 
But since Sheridan is one of those very important people that the universe revolves around, he figures that if he is awake, then everyone else must be awake too. Well, you know, Ivanova's always getting woken up for something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she is. Meanwhile, Franklin has finally earned the trust of number one, the beautiful, hard-ass leader of the Mars Resistance. Poor Marcus is relegated to guard duty, while Franklin puts to good use the techniques he has already honed with his dozens of his patients. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Delenn's story provides even more excitement as those evil shadow allies, the Drock, get the drop on the White Star fleet. I am going to give JMS the benefit of the doubt on Delenn's flying circus. <laughs> those ships did some fancy flying to escape, and I'm not sure that ships can perform those aerobatic maneuvers and the vacuum of space, but this show usually gets the physics and engineering right. In the end, the Drock were not as smart as a certain Earth Force commander who wisely avoided battle with the Lens forces at Babylon 5. The Drock had to learn the hard way, don't mess with the Lens. The Centauri have Lindesty, the Mimbari have Delen, and now Mars has number one. So I will rate this episode 8 kick-ass women out of 10. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Victor. Thanks, Thanks. Victor. Next we have an email from Lori and Carl. Hey, um, yes. my my wife called me um, and, and kind of needs me to come home because she's got to go pick up her car from the guy who's repairing it. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Thanks for coming, thanks Jason. For yeah, us. thanks for coming. See along. you in a few weeks. Yeah, I think I'll see you guys in about three weeks if we keep on schedule. Okay. okay. For the episode, I was really surprised was available. So. <laughs> okay then. Yeah, see we'll see you then. soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, Lori and Carl say. Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor. This was one that we enjoyed watching, but at the end felt it was a middle-of-the-road average episode. I think we always miss Jakar and Londo and Veer when they're absent, as well as Garibaldi and even Lita a bit now. Carl felt something was a bit lacking in Delenn's performance. I'm not sure whether I agree or not. Ambassadors? It seemed pretty much the same. Yeah, I really didn't notice any... I mean, she didn't change. start crying, so that was good. <laughs> I am also wondering how Heidi and Elizabeth are enjoying the Mars storyline since we have not heard those episodes yet, but no pressure will. <laughs> <laughs> I know you all have been really looking forward to learning more about Mars and I'm wondering what you think. Well, it would be better if it was Marcus and anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> At least for me. Um, I know at the time I really enjoyed it and liked the blonde resistance leader. Not sure I am enjoying her quite as much on this rewatch, but still like her. She really seems familiar, but nothing rings a bell for my MDB. I guess Marcus did not go for her at all because he needs to be loyal to Ivanova. Yeah. Overall, I liked Franklin in this episode. I think he does better when they give him something different to do, and he and Marcus are great as the old married couple. Carl thought that Franklin and Marcus do a good job as messengers of B-5's message to Mars. In the Delenn storyline, when we first see the mysterious ships, Carl thought they looked like they had Vorlon-type markings. That made Carl miss his favorite Vorlon. <laughs> Carl likes to see that Delenn is still a warrior and a soldier, even though she is half-human. Wait, question. Are Marcus and Franklin still under their cover story of being on Honeymoon? Apparently, <laughs> that's why I mentioned oh. the um, penthouse suite. Although it wasn't that which they have booked, they did book a double room at the um, Mars Hotel. 
Okay, so they better keep that on the DL then. No kidding. Franklin, <laughs> number one. Oh, that's oh, why Marcus is guarding the door. <laughs> well, no, I think, it, I think within the resistance, the no, but within the resistance, it doesn't matter. But when they move outside these weird underground tunnels they're using, they've got yeah, to like at the hotel. Up. Yeah. <laughs> and the... Oh, sorry. Actually, then Marcus might be getting rumors from the concierge. I think, I think your husband's having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the strange Drock aliens, Carl thought they might be a hive mind. It was a weird visual effect with the alien. He really looked like not of this world. It sounded like a deal with the devil. Carl thought similar to the deal the Centauri made with the shadows. Did you all guess their home world was Zaha Doom? No, yeah. I, I didn't. I just figured, yeah. I because didn't we talk about, about that before or something? Yeah, I, I think can't we remember. Have. We've speculated like who it was that was leaving or whatever. So, yeah. Carl praised Len on her good military maneuvers. He was wondering how many ships were lost. Did anyone count? I think it was two. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It is good that they're addressing the Grey Council dissolving. It's not surprising that there would be serious repercussions for their culture and society. Carl commented that Sheridan is looking older now, which is not surprising given the past couple of years. That was extraordinarily bad CGI at the end with Marcus's pike. Both Carl and I commented on it at the same time. Yeah, we did it because, yeah, it really was bad. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I don't think, uh, I can't even picture what it was, so maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I had tuned out, but I remember the last part. I just don't remember that specifically, so. Yeah. Um, okay, quotes, or quote, Ivanova to Sheridan, you're winding yourself up like a cheap watch. Lori's ratings, 7 out of 10 overzealous resistance fighters. Human, Franklin, just because no one else stood out. See? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. <laughs> Alien. Kind of why we gave it to him. Exactly. Alien Delen. Carl's rating. Zero equal and opposite reactions. 17. Species. Blurry people. <laughs> Human. <laughs> former lover boy. <laughs> Ship. Blurry people. Zoom zoom spaceship. <laughs> Set. The return of the war room, aka the newsroom. Death. Mr. Good Intentions. <laughs> Oh. Tactical maneuver, leaving the battle to return and catch the foe off guard. Combat misdirection. Plot: Ivanova's chronic sleep deprivation. Definitely a plot point. Yeah, uh, wooing slash relationship. Quote in quotes. Oh, Franklin. <laughs> Flora, red dirt. Dramatic moment. For vengeance, for glory, we shall make them pay a thousandfold for the lives they took from us. To war! <laughs> Wait, did somebody say that? Or <laughs> um, Must be a quote from a film, I'm sure. Yeah. Comedic moment. Great, quote-unquote, CGI at the end. Actor Carl Saunders. <laughs> <laughs> what would Sinclair do? Would have been far more polite while barging into Ivanova's room. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you thanks, so much Marie for the feedback. Thanks, guys. I really missed that. Next, we have an email from Yan. I'll take this one. 
Yan says, hello, down blowers. Here's some feedback for the season four, episode 11, Lines of Communications. Two plot lines are moved forward here. The Minbari are in the initial phase of a civil war. Delin realizes when she is forced to meet a new alien race that has attacked targets near the borders of the Alliance and some Minbari allies. Pharrell thinks he is doing the right thing, but has to realize his grave mistake. We now know the new race as the Drak, O allies of the shadows who had to evacuate Zahadun when it went boom. <laughs> Not good when they find out who they were talking to. Here's another example that Delenn is not fun at all to deal with when she is that determined, as the Drock got to see. Sharon has to deal with the ISN slash Clark propaganda when he gets an idea. Of course, Ivanova has to carry out that idea, the voice of the resistance, and she is, um, thrilled when she is volunteering. Marcus and Franklin convince the resistance to join Sheridan and the Alliance. Number one is furious when she hears about the bombing and is supported by Marcus and Franklin. I think that they talk, I think that the talk they gave about the bombing is even more relevant now than it was when the series originally aired. Remember, this was pre-9-11. A little nugget I noticed this time, the colony where Marcus grew up is called Aresia. That name may ring a bell for someone who has read the Lensman series. And now for the favorites, Human Sheridan for his idea, honorable mention to number one for the reaction to the bombings. Alien Delin, she knows what is necessary, not necessarily right, and does give the order. She did really learn from the first encounter with the humans. Quotes, uh, there's the one about being volunteered for the job and going to shoot him dead. Number one, you don't move, you don't breathe, you don't blow things up unless you check with me first. Clear? And also number one, as I said, you're a liar, but you're my kind of liar. <laughs> Sheridan, you can't kill you the can't truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Actually, you can kill the truth, but it always comes back to haunt you. Seeing the uh, commercials for that uh, Will Smith movie, Concussions, like, you tell the truth. No, I, <laughs> I, keep, I keep saying that to my dog. He just wags his tail when I say <laughs> that. You tell the truth. <laughs> yeah, dog. <laughs> when you were at uh, Delin, when you were at Zaha Doom, you were touched by destiny. You cannot simply walk away from Franklin's that. Franklin's called Destiny now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, there was a quote where um, Marcus said something about being touched. I can't remember. <laughs> um, oh, I think it's um, touch passion when, especially when yeah, it calls you passion. by name. <laughs> touch passion when you get the opportunity, especially when it calls yeah. you by name. Yeah, Franklin doesn't need that advice. No. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Delin, I know your heart. You can fool the others, but you cannot fool me. Rating, I like this episode quite a bit. It moves the parallel plot of the Earth Alliance and the Minbari internal conflicts. I rate this episode 9 out of 10 refugee ships from Zaha Doom. Take care. From now on, you have to watch the rest of Babylon 5 because there is no surrender and no retreat. <laughs> And the Babylon Lurker. Thanks, Jan. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, thanks, Jan. So we have an email from Melanie. Okay, I think it's my turn. So, from Melanie, hi down below. This was a packed episode. Sheridan redecorated the war room, and Ivana got volunteered as the voice of the resistance. In the middle of the night, <laughs> being 
about as much of a morning person as Ivanova. I'm sure glad that nobody who sees the need to wake me up every time they... Uh, I'll try that again. Being about as much of a morning person as Ivanova is, I'm sure glad there's nobody who sees the need to wake me up every time they get an idea. In another plot line, Marcus and Franklin meet with the rest of the Mars Resistance and give them Sheridan's message, including the part where Sheridan that Sheridan couldn't know about. I guess they explained the Shadow War off-screen, since nobody was surprised to hear about it. We also got to find out that the Membari are close to a civil war. I love the scene when Delenn breaks the Grey Council, but like everything else, it has consequences and they don't have prophecies to fall back on this time, since Phelan doesn't remember anything about this. The warrior cast have apparently think they've found a loophole in the Membari do not kill Membari rule. They have the cold to do it instead, and at least parts of the religious cast want to use the Drak in the same way. The Drak fleet don't survive long enough to get involved in the Membari conflict thanks to Delenn's ability to recognise Allies of the Shadows. Back in Size and Portents, she saw Morden in the Shadows. I wonder what Londo has looked like to her. Lanier was a nice contrast to the loophole abuse of one rule with his strict following of Membari do not lie. I can do it, but... Uh, oh, I can't do it but I can program the ship to do it. This soon followed by my fifth favourite Delenn line and first quote of the week, the fourth being the We Will Attack Zaha Doom speech and two of the top three of the Breaking the Grey Council on the third place and her lines about the Earth captains who wanted to board Babylon 5 in the same episode competing for first place with something that I'll point out when we get there. By the time it will probably be on first place. Oh, by that time it will probably be on first place. Spoilers, we get to see Delenn again. Rating, 8.7. Bonus for the battle with the Drak, 0.52. Final rating, 9.22. Human of the Week, number one. Alien, Delenn. Quotes, setting a course from, uh, sorry, Lanier, setting a course for Babylon 5. Delenn, who said we were leaving? They destroyed ships from the League Worlds. They murdered their crews. They destroyed White Star 16, and now they will pay the price. Lanier, the drugs murder ship is heading for the jump gate. How fast? Fast. Delenn, be faster. Delenn, curious thing about humans. Membari cities remain untouched for centuries. I leave for three days and you redecorate. Um, one of it. Um, yes, we've done that one. And that's her quotes. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakovian Veer fan. Uh, thank you, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Thanks, Melanie. Melanie. I think my favorite part was when Delin said, in this. It was a bad. Our final email is from Yarsto. Is it my turn? Okay. Greetings down below casters and a happy new year. 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Here's my feedback for lines of communication. Franklin and Marcus are still on Mars in this episode. Some of the freedom fighters on Mars have begun attacking targets, regardless of the civilian casualties they inflict. Number one, with a little help from Franklin and Marcus, manages to put a stop to that. After some reluctance, the resistance on Mars also agrees to work together with Sheridan, creating a more united front against Clark. In return, Sheridan promises that Mars will get its independence once Clark is defeated. Meanwhile, Delenn leads a squadron of White Stars out to investigate attacks on some minor races allied to the Minbari. This turns out to be a setup which introduces her to the Drock slash Skeletor. Shadow alien allies who are meant to appear as if they're partially out of phase with normal space-time, but mainly appear as if they're partially out of phase with the limits of 90s CGI. Yes. <laughs> the White Stars take casualties, but eventually defeat the Drock in battle. But even so, this meeting is another indication that the Shadows leaving isn't a clean break to end the war. On top of that, the whole situation in this episode shows us that breaking the Great Council has started to destabilize Mimbari society, and a Mimbari civil war threatens. During Delenn's absence, Sheridan redecorates Babylon 5's war room, turning it into a broadcast center so the station can start sending out its own news to counter Clark's propaganda. Ivanova gets volunteered for the job of newsreader. Apparently, Sheridan doesn't know there are experienced ISN underground newsreaders available. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm thinking in my head that he, he was actually listening to the ISN underground when he had his idea. <laughs> um, quotes. Um, the face people trust, face people fear quotes. Um, and then the programming and praying really, really fast quotes. <laughs> Favorite characters. Alien, Lanier. Human, number one. Episode rating, six out of seven white stars in the lens squadron. Yarsto from the Netherlands. Thanks, Yarsto. Hey, thanks, Thank Yarsto. Thanks, thanks, everybody. Thanks for the feedback, everybody. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's a new year. Oh, new it's year. New year. Definitely good to have feedback again. It's it's the end of history <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Ooh, that reminds me, we need to change our intro a little bit, which you might have heard by the time we put these out. <laughs> oh, because of the date? Yeah, in our <laughs> okay. other intro, it's 2015. We now need to change the date. Oh, okay. So who who said it? Sorry, I don't remember. Um, I can't remember. It's either Heidi or Elizabeth. I, uh, one of you two. Sorry. I can't remember which one. That's okay. Uh, if, I, if I remember, time. I'll try to add it to my um my ISN report thingy. The uh, year is 2016. Basically, yeah, so the year, or basically, the year 2016. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Jason left us in case I cut that part out of the episode. <laughs> he had to go. Um, so let's get to feedback. I mean, not feedback, predictions. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is called Conflicts of Interest. Um, because of all the titles and the ofs and the... I accidentally watched like 30 seconds of this episode <laughs> when I was oh. going to watch this one. So, but I don't think it, I mean, I don't think I have much prediction from that, but um, I know one person that did it. So, <laughs> um, conflicts of interest. 
Oh, who's gonna have to make a moral decision? <laughs> I hope that we're back to Londo and fear. That would be nice. I know it's been forever since we recorded, so that's probably why I feel like it's been <laughs> like forever since we saw them in Jakar. But uh, yeah, hopefully they're back and it's something to do with them. Yeah, it would be nice to have some of them back and uh, Jakar too. More storyline for Jakar. And Delane can be gone for a little while. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, she's had a lot of story, so we can bring other people in. Like pirates, but it's okay. <laughs> um, or it could, yeah, like, maybe Lita could come back too, because maybe she can have a conflict of interest with. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I keep wanting to say the psych war, but I always want to say the psych war. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I feel like we're kind of trapped with this um, these shadow helpers because we know that in the future they're there. So it's like it can't really go away anytime yeah. soon. Which I wanted to go away, but it won't go away, so that's not good. Right, but I also don't want that to be, like, the main storyline either. No. So I hope that we can get something else to kind of take the forefront. I mean, they have a showdown coming up with Earth, so we have that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'd be cool to see, like, a battle on Mars or something. Yeah. Um, even though I never know what's happening when they're battling. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we really haven't seen much of Mars. You know, we've seen the underground, and we've seen the inside of a hotel room, and we've seen a CGI shot of a, a people mover. But that's, uh, I mean, and some domes. Some which is basically domes. the same people mover that we've seen on Babylon 5. Yeah, it's, so we need to see more of Mars. Like, just Mars, just day-to-day -day Mars life, I want to see. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, that we're going to get a lot of day-to-day -day Mars life, just because the only characters that we really know are Franklin, Marcus, and number one. They need to go, on, they need to have an under, like, a secret mission where they have to go undercover again and, like, infiltrate, you know, some, I don't know, something on Mars. <laughs> so. Amusement park? Oh. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Or he has to play a waiter. A Mars convention. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I kind of know. Well, yeah, I don't know if that I predicted anything for this next episode, but because I kind of know it might be about somebody, so I don't really want to say. But, um, okay. but yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, it just Delenn goes away for a while and does her thing, and we have a little <laughs> bit of a break from Skeletor and. We can kind of get back to the... Oh, and, you know, we have all the whole Resistance news thing that's coming up. So, yeah, we'll see how they do that. Well, and we have uh, Garibaldi out there somewhere being weird. Yeah, doing his side business. <laughs> his walkabout. <laughs> ah. um, is this a commentary type episode or no? Uh, I can't I remember. Know. Probably I don't remember it. Probably not. Then. Okay. Well, maybe maybe some one time in the next few episodes we could do one. I think even if um, we just randomly pick one and just. Me and Will might have to look ahead a little bit and um, you know, maybe have a chat about what episodes would be really good to do a um commentary on. Okay. All right. 
Well, oof. <laughs> rusty. Um, well, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with conflicts of interest. But until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Be seeing you. Stroke off in Sinclair's name. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.